It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicon, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. And here we go, off and running, on this penultimate day of October 2023, because I like to use the word penultimate. It is the 30th day of October 2023. This is the horn. Headon.live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday. 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. All time zones in between and the Great Globe Round. And whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. And if you are listening to the podcast, let me, as usual, encourage you to please just mash the be Jesus out of that like and subscribe button and make sure you get notified of every new program when it goes up. And uh, leave a comment if you feel like it. And I hope you do. Uh, for the attention-starved little algorithm. So that folks will know that uh, people spend their time listening to this program and say to themselves, Hey, I'm liberal. I'm progressive. I'm a decent human being. Why don't I do that, too? Okay? Pretty please? But if you are listening live, you can always pop into the uh, uh, the aforementioned Mary Wacky's Any Real-Time Madcap Multimedia Extravaganza chat room. And be greeted by the early arrivers, Too Much Hutch, Anatole, Irish Dave, and Squeaky. More to follow, I trust, at some point in time as the program continues apace. And where you're moderated by uh, Horn, Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, and uh, Bud, Tremor, uh, Bud Tremor Pro Tempora, uh, Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. It is Moran Monday. On the horn, and we uh, we have more ants. Uh, there's probably an infestation. But before we get into that, every program here at the horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So, um, we say thank you to uh, our thirtieth day of the month subscriber. That would be uh, Dave. In the blind, 
thanks as well to Shorty, who said, uh, uh, for jumping in. Uh, Shorty said that uh, she is proceeding with her recovery quite well. Speech therapy is going well. Said she's feeling blessed and said it's never, uh, there's never a good time to let up in the struggle for the, for human rights. And I agree. I agree. And so, uh, going backwards, uh, thanks as well. Uh, because the subscribers get a little thin this time, this time of the month. Uh, everything after the 28th does. Uh, but thank you to Suman, and thank you to Mark, and thank you to Charlene in Rhodes Island. Thank you to Mark again. Thank you to Sharon. So, um, I'm trying to remember what that, where that takes us. Uh, uh, we are fully funded for last Monday. And so that means we have last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and today. And that means we are, uh, well, let's, let's just count tomorrow, too, and say that the end of the month fundraising deficit is basically $1,800. And hopefully whatever we can do to knock that down uh, will help as we move into November. We had September fully funded. That was great. And it would take a miracle uh, for us to get October fully funded as well. So, thanks everybody. Thanks to everybody, all the subscribers, all month long. Thank you so sincerely, so very sincerely indeed. And lest I forget, now tomorrow is, of course, Halloween. Tomorrow is the last day of October. God, I've got to get rid of that photo on Patreon. Gee whiz. Uh, but um, I think uh, I think I would do well to go ahead and do the the uh, 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 to go ahead and do the thank yous for Patreon. And uh, well, simply because. <laughs> We went past another weekend, and ah, still no baby. So we are we are waiting on little Miss Luna. And every day that passes is another day that it's more likely that we have to just jump in the car and go. So thank you uh, to all of our Patreon subscribers. That means uh, all thirty of you. Thank you to Miss Terry, my sister down in. Uh, down in the uh, Mobile Bay area. And thank you to Dr. Allen in Waco. Thank you to Theo in Oregon. Thank you. Randy Radar in PA. Thank you, Christopher. And thank you to Janice. Thank you, Eve. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Jeff and Slow and Kay. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, James. Thank you, Aaron and Annette. Uh, Different Annette. Thank you, Annette. Uh, thank you to Joanne, and thank you, Lori. Thank you, Vernon in San Diego. Thank you to Kat in Ohio. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you, KW. 
Thank you, Irwin in Mon- uh, Montana. Thank you, Barb. Thank you to Horst in Taiwan. Thank you to Robin. Thank you, Terrace out in California. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. And thank you to Jeremy in Vermont. Thank you all for being partial sponsors of the program. It is indeed most helpful. Very much so. And I'm going to leave Patreon up there because i got to figure out a way to replace that confounded picture. Doggone it. Hey. Uh, and thank you again to uh, uh, Mark, Uncle Smokey. Thanks. And uh, a, a message coming from... Uh, Message coming from Ralphs to get us started. Let's see here. Uh, Ralphs says for Halloween, I'm offering a $50 challenge also for Luna. Arrive soon and safely, Luna. I sure hope so. I can't wait. Can't wait to meet her. Thank you, Ralphs. So, if uh, somebody wants to put together, or somebody's want to put together, put together fifty bucks, uh, that uh, Ralphs will happily double it, and that'll be that'll knock us down to seventeen hundred dollars to go to finish the month. Thank you, Ralphs. Thank you so much. And so we are off and running on this Morian Monday. And the <laughs> oh, where to begin? Well, let's begin at the beginning. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. You know, morons. Hurry, 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 step right up, it's Moran, Monday on the Horn. Yes, 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 right here, behind this thin cybernetic veil of canvas, we have them all. Every kind of Moran imaginable. Birthers, deathers, ninthers, tenthers, booger eaters, republicans, maggots, chimpanzees, trumpanzees, libertarians. They're all here for your horror and your amazement yes just mere steps away from the carnival midway where only moments ago you were throwing ping pong balls at goldfish bowls hoping against hope to take home with you a precious little baby iguana and somehow or another one of your one or two of you keep winning so go figure uh, there yes we have them here and the uh, general uh, just uh, on, on general principle if you want to keep the uh, Morian Monday clown show traveling the countryside well the average subscriber to uh, the horn is uh, giving up something less than the price of half a stick of chewing gum per program for you know ten dollars a month it's a bargain yes indeed yes indeed as you enter the Moran Monday tent we advise everyone to keep a hand on wallets purses Bracelets, rings, necklaces, piercing jewelry. Hell, I'd worry about my tattoos if I were you. 
because the Morans can get grabby. Head for the hills, or you'll be up to your armpits in Morans. True, it's true then, it's true now, it's true each and every day. Uh, and we'll get right to them. Damn you, Roxanne! <laughs> Hi, Matt. I get up at 3 a.m., start work at 4 to 4.30 a.m. While I'm getting my day going, I hate listen to Morning Joe. Every time Mika mentioned Israel this morning, I chuckled thinking about your astute observation of her pronunciation. I also thought to myself, that'd be a hell of a drinking game if folks watched Morning Joe and had to take a shot every time Mika said Israel. Lord God, Matt, don't do something like that. My liver can't handle it. Oh, and even if it was just some some mere little little white claw seltzer, that I'd still be stumbling drunk by the time the program was over. Because not to put too fine a point on it, today was all Israel all the time. Israel, I Z R U L L, Israel. Every other word Mika pronounces is pure Midwestern broadcast standard. But when she gets to the name of that country uh, on the Mediterranean Levant, suddenly she's a hillbilly. Israel. We say it, we say it like that here, too. Israel. Go figure. <laughs> Damn you, Roxanne. Damn your eyes. Too late. Thanks, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Christopher jumping in via Venmo on Ralph's challenge. What a moron. What a maroon. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you, Christopher. So there's 40 bucks to go on that. And, yes, a moran. We have morans. We have many morans. It's almost like a Bible verse. In my father's house are many morans. But let's start with uh, that moran among morans. Uh Oh, great, great to know. Jack in Shreveport says, The head-on.live media player is working with Firefox browser on Mac now. I'm using the latest Mac OS Ventura and Firefox versions, and the player on the head-on.live page works. I don't know when it started working again, but it had been broken on Firefox for quite some time. Maybe it wasn't we that were broken. Maybe it was Firefox. Or maybe it was Mac OS. I don't know. It's so confusing. Uh, but, yes, Marge is, of course, a Moran. She's Queen Moran, unless, well, unless uh, uh, Clanny Granny, you know, Clanny Oakley, you know, Lauren Bobblehead Boobjob uh, is in the room, and in which case it's a toss-up. But today, Monday, Marge said she was shocked by the number of people, some of whom were even Republicans, who planned on voting against her motion to censure Rashida Tlaib for leading an insurrection. I, I don't know, Marge. Maybe, maybe that turns out to be a referendum on you, dumbass. And so this is, this is extremely radical. This is terrifying. Charlie, I want to remind you, this happened on the same day Hezbollah declared a day of... That, just one observation. Uh, Randy Radar wrote over the weekend to say that uh, Rabid Mooses would make a great punk band name. Um, so, too, would Terrifying Charlie. Mm-hmm. 
And now, and now from the Squidbilly set deep in the swamp in Georgia somewhere, it's terrifying Charlie. Yes, ch- ch- Charlie Kirk, the man with the abnormally humongous noggin. I want to remind you, this happened on the same day Hezbollah declared a day of immense anger. They wanted a worldwide day of immense anger. They were calling for terrorism. They were calling for protests, calling for violence all over the world on a day of immense anger. And Rashida Tlaib organized with that group, and they did. They did protest, and they did an insurrection um, into our Capitol complex, stopping Congress and stopping the Senate. So this is just a fraction. She also has a has an extreme record of anti-Semitic language, um, uh, but speaking out against Israel. She supports BDS. Um, Rashida Tlaib is a radical, and she does not support or stand for anything that we stand for here in America. So let me let me ask you: uh, Do you anticipate every Republican colleague big voting for giant this? head? Not why. Charlie, I did anticipate every single Republican colleague of mine and even Democrats, because I've talked to several of them that want to vote to censure Rashida Tlaib as well. But I want to let you know, um, I was shocked last night on our GOP conference call when several Republican members of Congress spoke up and said they did not want to vote to censure Rashida Tlaib. Um, that was Wahlberg, Rep. Wahlberg from Michigan, uh, Rep. Um, Duarte from California, and Rep. Young Kim from California. And she even went so far to say, Young Kim said that she didn't want to have to vote on, on political positions. Yet Young Kim, I'd like to remind everyone, voted to kick me off of committees. But somehow she feels uncomfortable voting to censure Democrat, anti-Israel, pro-Hamas, Rashida Tlaib. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but maybe Young Kim uh, voted to bump, boot her off of her committees because, well, Young Kim might actually understand that Marge is a fucking idiot, whereas Rashida Tlaib is an, is, is, is an intelligent woman. God, if stupidity could get you booted out of Congress... Marge would have been gone a long time ago, and so would most of the maggot party. So it seems like Republican Young Kim would rather stand with Rashida Tlaib uh, than stand with me because she kicked me off committees but doesn't want to censure Rashida Tlaib. Well, you know, Marge, die mad about it. Really, just do, please. Nothing like getting the getting the week started with a with a moran, yeah. Oh, and uh, I'm not well. I I don't know whether to refer to this uh, as moranity. Yeah, it probably is. Story arises out of New Hampshire. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Now, uh, bear in mind that out in Colorado, the court case brought by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington to keep Nitwit Nero off the Colorado ballot in 2024 
is underway. Uh, the the uh, hearing will take all week. It's not a jury trial. Judge Sarah B. Wallace is presiding. And with the very beginning of the trial, the pettifoggers who work for Nitwit Nero made sure to make sure that the uh, judge had reason to kick them around a little bit. No sooner had the case started today out in Denver than uh, the Trump pettifoggers moved to recuse her from the case, to kick her off the case, because last year she made a a political donation of $100 to the Colorado Turnout Project. The Associated Press story said that uh, she said she didn't even remember the donation. Uh, The Colorado Turnout Turnout Project sounds like a get-out-the-vote effort, right? And she said, I have no preconceptions about this case whatsoever. And then she added, I will not allow this legal proceeding to turn into a circus. So, good for her. And it will be interesting to see how the case proceeds through the, uh, through the week. The Colorado lawsuit contends, quote, Four years after taking an, oath, taking an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution as President of the United States, Trump tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 election, leading to a violent insurrection at the United States Capitol to stop the lawful transfer of power to his successor. By instigating this unprecedented assault on the American constitutional order, Trump violated his oath and disqualified himself under the 14th Amendment, from holding public office, including the office of the president. And it's entirely likely that this case, being a case of first impression, will wind up, along with the one uh, having been filed in Minnesota, before the, uh, our 13, or I mean our uh, most puissant, dread sovereign, Supreme Catholic Majesties, at the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. Uh, However, another case, another 14th Amendment case, got bounced. Um, And that's, like I said, uh, in New Hampshire where um, U.S. District Judge said, uh, nope, Uh, Texas Tax Attorney John Anthony Castro uh, sued to keep Nitwit Nero off the 2024 ballot. Castro is a GOP candidate in his own right, and the uh, the uh, 
the judge in New Hampshire, in by way of uh, explaining the uh, his uh, dismissal, said. In sum, the vast weight of authority has held that the Constitution commits to Congress and the electors the responsibility of determining matters of presidential candidates' qualifications. Castro provides no reason to deviate from this consistent authority. Thus, it appears to the court that Castro's claim, which challenges Trump's eligibility as a presidential candidate under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, raises a non-justiciable political question. As such, even if Castro did have standing to assert his claim, the court would lack jurisdiction to hear it under the political question doctrine. I, mm, uh, he went on and said, uh, dealing with this justiciability question, uh, in dealing with it, courts have not undertaken a searching analysis of the text and history of, for example, the Electoral Count Act and the 20th Amendment, which potentially impact the proper application of the political question doctrine. Now, lawyer Castro, running for president, has filed 27 more or less identical lawsuits all over the United States challenging his uh, Trump's eligibility to be on the ballot based on the 14th Amendment. I don't, I don't, I don't like the judge's reasoning here. Because uh, the Electoral Count Act, the twentieth, uh, uh, the Electoral Count Act, or uh, any other federal statute must, by definition, be subservient to uh, the Constitution itself, of which Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment is most assuredly a part. So this will be even more likely to be guaranteed a trip to the Supreme Court if there's a split of opinions. Because if you read Section 3, Section 3 makes it abundantly clear. It's not, may not be eligible to hold political office, it's shall not be eligible. And as I've noted in the past, in the, uh, in, in the history of the debate surrounding the, uh, ratification of the amendment it's clear that the framers of that particular amendment were not limiting themselves to the the, the recently quelled insurrection that we refer to as the Civil War so good times Uh, the Law and Crime blog uh, notes that U.S. District Judge Joseph LaPlante is a boxing referee turned judge only in New Hampshire.
so the case will move on to the first United States Circuit Court of Appeals. And Lawyer Castro, the plaintiff, filed his uh, notice of appeal about nine minutes after the judge's uh, district judge's opinion was published. And uh, the emergency motion for expedited appeal said, uh, there is artful legal contortionism, and then there is this, a patently frivolous interpretation and application of the political question doctrine. Well, them's fighting words amongst the lawyers is what they are. The lower court admitted that it could not identify a textually demonstrable constitutional commitment to a political branch. However, the lower court bizarrely argued that because the appellant failed to explain the absence of such non-existent text, the court would presume it exists based on unanalyzed dicta from other courts. And so off goes John Anthony Castro to the First United States Circuit Court of Appeals. And, uh, well... Lawyer Castro is uh, not hiding his light under a bushel. Uh, He said of uh, Judge LaPlante, Quite frankly, speaking as a Georgetown Law and Harvard business alum, it's pathetically weak and will be easily and swiftly overturned. I'm not appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court, he added, because the First Circuit is the most liberal circuit in the country. When I win on appeal, I'll let Trump beg the Supreme Court for intervention. And at Law and Crime, they point out that in order for uh, a writ of certiorari to be granted, well, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson handles petitions from the First Circuit, and they need at least four justices to agree for a petition for a writ of cert to be granted. Uh, Judge LaPlante, as a former boxing referee, no, really, was confirmed in 2007. He was one of those loyal bushies that uh, the uh, reign of error presidency crammed onto the court. And apparently Judge LaPlante is also a an adjunct professor, oh dear, $500 a year of statutory interpretation at Boston College School of Law. And uh, Lawyer Castro is seeking um, a decision as early as November 15th because um, Castro is asked to forego oral arguments in in order to facilitate the issuance of a decision. So ultimately what they'll have to decide is whether or not the 14th Amendment, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is real, live, actual, no kidding language, you know, law stuff, or uh, as fat, dead Tony Scalia wrote of the the, uh, 
the well-armed or well-regulated militia language in the Second Amendment just flowery language. I think I think he or maybe Fappy, one of those, uh, also said the same thing about the preamble to the Constitution. Oh, that's just flowery language. That's that has no legal force and effect. Because, you know, if it had legal force and effect, <laughs> there'd be a lot of suits over that uh, promote the general welfare language. But I got to tell you, I hate it when huh, I, I hate it when we have a uh, a nominee on this Moran Monday. Uh, who happens to be from our side of the aisle. But we do. Oh, we certainly do. Dean Phillips. Mm Mm-hmm. He has uh, declared himself a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the presidency of the United States. Now, Dean Phillips is not exactly of Minnesota. He's not exactly been in Congress forever in a day. He's relatively new to the body. He's in his third time. Or third term, I should say. Um, Earlier this month, he stepped down from his Democratic leadership post and during an interview with CBS News, made his candidacy for the Democratic nomination for president Official. And, uh, so dumb, so dumb. He said that, uh, uh, in a, in a statement at the state house in Concord, New Hampshire, he said, this is a country of long shots. Well, in some cases, a country of dipshits. So he's worried, I tell you. Worried, 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 worried sick, Dean Phillips is. About Joe Biden's age. Because he's been running his yap for months trying to get someone with established credentials to uh, to primary Joe Biden you know so we can have a republican president in 2024 for sure and asked about the whole thing he said uh, 
I think it's terribly important that a Democrat win this election, and I will do anything. I will give everything I have every moment of my time, every ounce of my energy to ensure that the nominee, whether it be me, of course, President Biden, or somebody else, becomes president. Well, that certainly is definitive, isn't it? You could just support your president, dipshit. Sorry, it, it, it pisses me off. But Joe Biden's age... You got Trump out here running around thinking he's in Sioux Falls, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, when he's in Sioux City, Iowa. That was something that happened over the weekend. And one of his handlers had to come over and say, oh, sir, because everyone speaking to Trump begins with, sir, oh, sir, you're, you're in Iowa, sir. Oh, am I? Yeah, yeah, oh. Hello, Cleveland. And he claims that the polls that he's seeing, Dean Phillips, here, you know, more than 12 months before the election, the polls that he is seeing scare him. And he said that uh, he's worried he'll, he'll definitely take a trip to the southern border. Having been to the southern border twice, it is not secure. It is inhumane. So he's decided to advance a bullshit Republican talking point. Um, no, uh, Darlene wants to know, is dipshit Dean Canadian or something? Your mocking vocal imitation of him sounds Canadian, LOL. Well, that's also my, my that's also my Minnesota nice, uh, my Minnesota nice accent. I'm sure he's bringing a nice hot dish uh, to every campaign event. I know, nuance. <sighs> Dean, I know you're only 54 years old, buddy. Which means that, mm, let's see, you would have been 11 years old when Ted Kennedy challenged Jimmy Carter for the Democratic nomination in 1980. You remember that, Dean? Do you? You remember how Jimmy Carter crushed him and, and, and swept on to victory in the 1980 presidential election against old 666 himself, Ronald Wilson Reagan? Do you remember that, Dean? No, of course you don't remember that because you were 11 and it didn't happen. Another good reason to ban handguns in the United States of America so Democrats can't run around shooting themselves in the foot. Like I said, I hate it when the Morans come from our side, if indeed he is on our side. Uh, and it's not enough that he's running. Dean Phillips wants more Democrats to run against Joe Biden. He says he's a Biden admirer, but he's worried that Biden would lose to Trump. And he hopes more Democrats get into the 24 race. 
Good for you, Dean. Go eat some paste and paint chips. He said, uh, I will not sit uh, still and not be quiet in the face of numbers that are so clearly saying that we're going to be facing an emergency next November. And he says it's an uphill climb because so many Democrats fervently support Joe Biden. But he believes, I believe with every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. He believes some Democratic voters are craving an alternative who provides a generational contrast and has a centrist message. And Dane Phillips says he, by golly, is a centrist. Maybe that's what upsets him. Joe Biden, you know, being the most progressive president, at least since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's too liberal. Joe Biden's too liberal. He Why, Joe Biden wanted little children to have food to eat in their bellies every day. That's liberal. So, uh, the Morans, ye have always with ye. No? Yes. Uh, as to Rashida Tlaib, Stephen New York says, I don't remember Congresswoman Tlaib blaming Jewish space lasers for forest fires or anything for that matter, so that spork-footed evil Mrs. Tumnus can go to hell. Where's the bell? Spork-footed evil Mrs. Tumnus. Yes. Quality. And uh, I got a note from Kay. Hey, Kay. Uh, back after mental health break, my dad says something reasonable. Hi, Robin. Hi, Kay. Hope you and everyone in the Horn family are well. I've been absent from the show for a while because my mental health hasn't been so good recently, and I'll leave it at that, but I'm in a much better spot now after that rough patch. Okay, I'm glad to know that. Because, well, I think we all go through those rough patches. Quite certain, in fact. Anyway, Kay continues. The other day, uh, something shocking happened. My father said something reasonable. In response to the Ohio House passing a bill to ban abortion with no exceptions and an amendment to the Constitution to ensure reproductive health rights up for a vote this year, he said this, That bill they passed is very dangerous, very pro-life, but I would almost rather have it the other way, no restrictions on abortion than no exceptions. I'm absolutely voting yes on this amendment this year. Ah, Knock me over with a feather. I'm as stunned as you are. He said this yesterday, and I'm not typing this out from the floor because I haven't been able to get up yet from the... And I'm typing this out from the floor because I haven't been able to get up yet from the shock. It makes sense. Maybe he... You know, I'll bet your daddy is pro-baby. 
it's it's hard not to love a little baby. Uh, beginning when we had our family, I developed a I developed a theorem. God makes babies so sweet, lovable, so that you can stand to be around them when they're teenagers. Then I say that universally, myself included. But it's not, it is decidedly not something that Republicans should be left to decide. More on that in a little bit. Kay continued, and I'm so glad to hear from her. <laughs> Noting the federal judge, uh, they, they only interpret the Constitution until it goes against what they want it to. And then this. Why, Dean Phillips, why? Normally I would have no problem with more people getting involved in running for president on the Democratic side, even when the incumbent is, the, is Democratic. But God damn it, we need to put all our support from everyone behind President Biden before Orange Asshole turns this country into a fucking complete fascist dictatorship. Sorry for screaming. It's okay, Kay. Kay, Kay. I mean, history is a thing. Even if it wasn't 1980, how about 1968? Uh, how about how about that democratic clusterfuck that that guaranteed the election of Richard M. Nixon and changed the course of American history? And maybe that's one of the important things. Every time this happens, the course of American history fucking changes. Remember, uh, um. Oh, come on. Uh, uh, primaried uh, uh, Al Gore, when Al Gore was the presumptive nominee for president in 2000. Bill Bradley. Took me a minute. Sorry, that was on a, that was on a distant synapse. And laid the groundwork for making, uh, for you know, for, for mocking Al Gore, which was then picked, uh, that ball was picked up and run with, with by, uh, by uh, uh, the dim leader campaign once he had gotten done sliming uh, John McCain and accusing John McCain of having a brown baby in South Carolina. Oh, those, those, th- those days of a more innocent racism when presidential candidates didn't refer to riggers and call state attorney generals peekaboo. We all know what that's a stand-in word for, don't we? And screw you, Trump spokes uh, creep Steve Chung for trying to put a fig leaf on it and argue otherwise. Schmuck. History is real. Okay, adds, but both sides, stupid fucking media, playing right into Trump's hands again. Oh, Christ, Dean Phillips is a Republican in a dem- in Democrat clothing. That's Republican spelled R-E-P-U-B-L-I-K-K-K-A-N, as it properly should be. It's great to have you back, Kay. Glad you're feeling better. Love you, hon. 
centrist Steve in New York says, if anyone thinks the populace of this country is going centrist, the reinvigorating and aggressive union movement, which is gaining popularity, should dispel any notion that the center is where the country is going. Good point. Noting uh, McCain's black daughter. Ah, yes, Steve says, the Halkin days. You can almost hear the Calliope, can't you? The Halkin days of soft racism. Wasn't it just? And speaking of, uh, well, we'll be speaking of more ants all day long, or all evening long. Uh, Flavio sends this reminder along. Chief U.S. District Judge Alia Moses has blocked federal officials from removing, scrapping, disassembling, or encumbering concertina wire that Texas state authorities assembled near the border town of Eagle Pass to impede the passage of migrants entering the country illegally. Moses said federal officials could only remove the wire to provide or obtain emergency medical aid. It is a temporary injunction. And represents something that smells, I guess, a little bit like a victory for Texas Governor Maggot Governor Greg Asbot and the rest of the Texas maggots who uh, are waging a war against unarmed, marginalized, desperate human beings. The lawsuit was brought by Texas. And said, and, and Texas said that border patrol agents were cutting the razor wire to facilitate the entry of migrants into the U.S. No, they weren't doing that. They were cutting the border wire because it's fucking illegal. And uh, now that he's back to being Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, who is still facing felony charges that somehow somehow they've forgotten how to prosecute. Ken Paxton said federal agents are escalating their efforts to destroy Texas's border barriers using heavy machinery such as forklifts to uproot large sections of fencing to facilitate mass entry. Um, the hearing on the case is scheduled for November 7th. The restraining order will last through November the 13th. So, that then begs the question, who, she asked, who is Aaliyah Moses? Well, she used to be known as Aaliyah Moses Ludlam, and she's the chief United States district judge for the Western District of Texas. She is from Eagle Pass, Texas. She's a graduate of the Texas Women's University uh, in, in, uh, with a B.A. in accounting, and she graduated from the University of Texas School of Law with a J.D., 
1986. And <laughs> Kel Supree. She was appointed to the bench by, that's right, W. She took her place on the bench on November the 15th, 2002. So she's maggot adjacent. Anyone surprised? I didn't think so. And the uh, case is destroy the border barrier. Oh, yeah, I forgot the fascists are the good guys in their fucked up version of whatever the hell they want to turn this whole country into. Pure evil doesn't even begin to describe who and what they are. No, it doesn't. Even though pure evil is about as plain and simple a, a, a statement of, well, a mission statement, if you will, as you're likely to find. Let's see. Oh, um, I mentioned the uh, I mentioned Nitwit Nero's "Hello Cleveland" moment. Uh, while this morning, while uh, while Matt in San Francisco was hate listening to Joe and Mika talk about Israel, I was actually hate watching. I woke up early this morning. My eyelids popped open at 5 o'clock and there wasn't a damn thing to be done about it. So I had a little early breakfast and then second breakfast came later because I'm part hobbit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm from that tall hobbit side, you know, the, the uh, brandy buck side. But they had the super clip of the glitch, if you will, on my filthy morning habit, Nitwit Nero's glitch. By the way, I heard somebody refer to him as Mango Mussolini. It's, I can't remember exactly where, and it's like, hey, I think we said that first. He, he, his verbal skills are limited. <laughs> uh, and so he, you know, he's... Now, now, bear in mind, this is Bill Barr to prosecution, who now has finally figured out at this late hour that he accepted the attorney generalship of the United States from a fucking moron. Yeah, tell us more, Bill. You know, if you get him away from very, 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 you know, <laughs> which I gotta uh, admit is funny. You know, the very, very, very. Of, he's un they're unfamiliar to him. And he's not, you know, and they sort of spill out, and he goes too far. Uh, you know, he's not he's not very disciplined uh, when it comes to what he says. Quote, his verbal skills are limited. Donald Trump's former Attorney General Bill Barr, what he says about his former boss right there and right on cue, just days after mixing up the leaders of Hungary and Turkey, Trump yesterday incorrectly said Hungary shares a border with Russia. Now, bear in mind, we go back to what uh, Brother Deacon said. Of course you can confuse Hungary and Turkey, because when you're hungry, you want Turkey. He... <laughs> 
And then lo and behold, Stephen Colbert used the same joke a scant few hours later. Not saying, just saying. But that clip from Bill Barr, you know, and and you just kind of like to cross-examine him on it, Bill Barr. So, how long did you work for him as Attorney General of the United States, Bill Barr, to prosecution? Before you knew that the guy was, in fact, a nitwit. How long? No, take all the time you want, Bill. We'll, We'll wait. Did you know that he was a nitwit the minute that you took the oath of office? At any point in time, Bill Barr, did it ever occur to you that it might have been a good idea to have that 25th Amendment conversation about the letter to the Congress, you know, make Mike Pence president for a little bit while he sorted out his mental and emotional issues? Did it ever occur to you that maybe January the 6th wouldn't have happened if you'd done your damn job, Bill Barr? Pshaw. Nah. Yeah, that's the problem, says Kay. Discipline. Uh, it's just a little discipline issue. Thank you, sir. May I have another? And then here's what he said last week, followed by his comments yesterday. Victor Orban. Did ever, anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world and he uh he's the leader of right he's the leader of turkey we are very close to world war three and we will prevent it i know all the players i know the players i know the good ones the bad ones the weak ones you know there's a very powerful player victor orban did anybody ever hear of victor i know this is about him being stupid But for me, so often, it's the case. The the audience response is what's telling. Now, this, uh, this ran this morning. This happened over the weekend. Listen to what the audience does when he says we're close to World War III. Like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world. And he, uh, he's the leader of, right? He's the leader of Turkey. We are very close to World War Three, and we will prevent it. I know all the players. I know the players. That's everybody in the room hooting and hollering and cheering for World War Three. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Who does that? Who is overcome by a paroxysm of joy at the prop at the at the, at the prospect of World War Three? I mean, is this the big asteroid twenty twenty four crowd? Anybody? A little help? Woo! Damn. They're gone. Uh, a great show, says Arnold. Thank you, Arnold. Of course, you all realize that it's because the right wing is hoping for the annihilation of Israel for the, Israel for the second coming of Jesus 
Blown the fuck away 2024. No kidding. And and what is that growly voice thing he does? Okay, he says, Jesus is coming. It's the end times, and Jesus is coming back to take everyone up to heaven who believes in the right version of their religion. Jesus is coming. Pass the tissues. As to uh, Hungary's border with Russia. No, 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 says Stephen New York. It's starving that shares a border with Russia. Uh, right across the Taiwan Strait from Bonomo. And uh, just a blast from our past. You might appreciate this. Brother Deacon Asa did some digging around and said, uh, December 28th, 2017, Dateline, Charleston, South Carolina, Vladimir Kuznetsov and Alexei Stolyarov posted a video in which a woman who the cut-ups said was Haley, Nikki Haley, thought she was speaking with Polish Prime Minister Matthews Morawiecki. Let me start with very much thanking you for the support we received on the vote today. We will never forget it, the gullible Haley told the phony PM. Jesus. December 28th, 2017. The day that Nimrata Haley, who is said by multi-millionaire for-profit media outlets to have foreign policy chops got scammed by the morning zoo crew of Moscow 98.8, the vulgar boatman. Oh, and Darlene with a correction. Uh, Bill Barr didn't accept that appointment as AG. No, Bullfrog Barr auditioned for AG, remember? He wrote an advocacy paper to President Moron trashing the Mueller investigation. He all but begged to be appointed so he could, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. I know. He sucks. He just sucks. (laughs) Oh, one of my favorite t-shirts, Stephen New York says, and sends me a uh, a, a photo. Picture of Jesus. Halo. Jesus is coming. Look busy. And of course, when you do, when you when you mention that, well, uh, somewhere, some, somewhere or nowhere, we're going to give Scott, uh, we're going to give Scott a, a little bit of a giggle because he loved it so much. Jesus, would you look at the time? God, I want one of those clocks so bad. I'd laugh every time I looked at it. You know, I've got I've got an atomic clock. That's how I know when I'm late pushing the button to get started for the program. Um, and it's been here for wow, uh, over 18 years now. Uh, it sits it sits right next to my painting of the Pinocchio Hills in Wisconsin. That's precious to me. And my flying spaghetti monster car magnet that went on the wall instead. Could get your tires slashed around here, you understand. 
But that, Jesus, look at the time clock. <laughs> oh, yeah. A monkey working a math problem. I'm simple, I know. Yeah, back to Nitwit Nero. And that, that growly voice thing. I know them all, I know them all. Is that, is that his wrestling voice? We are very close to World War III, and we will prevent it. I know all the players. I know the players. I know the good ones, the bad ones, the weak ones. You know, there's a very powerful player, Viktor Orban. Did anybody ever hear of Viktor Orban? He's the head of Hungary. Hungary fronts on both Ukraine and Russia. Oh, my God. Yeah, but the conversation about Viktor Orban, what worries me besides that he gets, he gets the things wrong? Yeah. That that is his model yes. for American illiberal democracy. That if he were to come back, that is the person he would fashion himself after. And that, and, ought, that ought to give people pause. And a lot of people in the audience, no pause. No pause. Trump also had some problems with it's US the cheering, Mika. as well. During that same speech, he appeared to forget which state he was in, saying he was in Sioux Falls, which is located in South Dakota. While he was actually speaking from Sioux City, Iowa. Well, thank you very much, and a very big hello to a place where we've done very well, Sioux Falls. Thank you very much, Sioux Falls. And so, Sioux City, let me ask you, how many people come, how many people come from Sioux City? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Caddy Kay, it... Uh, we've come to accept this from Donald Trump. He has a sort of a really, really flip relationship with the truth and facts. And I'm just speaking a fact. I'm not trying to be, I'll be accused of being nasty, but that's just the truth. Um, if this was Joe Biden, what networks would be on a loop right now? Sorry, I have to do this. Miss Brzezinski, if you're nasty. I'm so ashamed. But the point she makes is valid. How many networks? And I'm just speaking a fact. I'm not trying to be, I'll be accused of being nasty, but that's just the truth. Um, if this was Joe Biden, what networks would be on a loop right now? Playing it and then talking about perhaps having then a doctor on about his mental acuity. But there is such a disconnect in reality here. Uh, in terms of the two front runners for president. Um, look, so we have two candidates running for president who are likely to be the nominees of both the parties who are older than most Americans are comfortable with. Joe Biden gets an awful lot of attention for his age um, and a lot of scrutiny, and it's clearly damaging him in the polls, which is why he now has uh, a primary challenger, which he probably wouldn't do if it weren't for the age question, and, and, it's a, and it's a real concern. Donald Trump over the last month or so has shown that he too is a man who is nearing 80, um, and maybe that is his age that is coming into play. At the moment, it doesn't seem to be impacting him with his supporters, but age has a way of, you know, we've seen this, Mika, you and me, with mm -hmm. our parents, right, that mm -hmm. it catches up on them. And let's see how the stress of a campaign, the stress of multiple very intense legal suits against him um, affects his health and his mental acuity and his stamina over the course of the next year. I think just because it's not having an impact on him in the polls at the moment doesn't mean that it won't do in a year. We'll be a year out, a year more of trials and a year more, frankly, of age. Um, and at that age, that makes a difference. 
Except Jonathan Lemire, he has a following that accepts anything. I mean, if it, he has even said, if I did something like commit murder on Fifth Avenue, they'd still love me. Let's believe him at this point, given what we've seen. Oh, his misstatement. I mean, seriously, can I come back to this, please? Did they not hear the mouth walkers and the knuckle breathers who took a break from picking their teeth with their toenail clippings in that crowd cheer at the very idea of World War Three? I mean, y'all. They're not going to cost him any votes among his among his base. The issue is, does this become an issue next year uh, in a general election? The election 53 weeks from tomorrow. Why uh, would it change? For those independent, not for his supporters, but for those independent swing voters who are going to decide elections, you know, who look at this. And yes, to Caddy's point, who look at two men who are both 77 and above. Um, and, and yes, polls suggest that the age doesn't seem to hurt Trump as much as it hurts Biden, but maybe next year that does change. We have seen the number of his erratic statements, erratic behavior, his mistakes, Trump, that is, has really picked up in recent weeks. I think those close to him suggest it is the pressure of all these trials. And I'll note, the Biden campaign has been has pounced on this. They blasted that clip out of him mixing up the Sioux City, Sioux Falls thing out immediately on Twitter X yesterday. They're going to try to say, look, this is not a guy you want to have at the helm during a time of international crisis. Yeah, I don't think he intellectually connects with the gravity of most of the legal challenges he's facing, except for the New York City trial. That one's driving, in my opinion, that's that one's driving him crazy. And I think she's right, because that's about his money. In 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 his in in his twisted world, Donald J. Trump will never go to jail. Donald J. Trump will never deal with a consequence. But this has the potential to do him grievous harm. I think he'd rather be in jail than cough up money that he doesn't have because maybe that's the final analysis. People are going to find out he is just one broke-ass mofo. That he's been a con artist and a grifter all his life. And that his single largest source of income is the grift that he runs on his... Atne ute it bray if you own a what I in may followers. Uh, meanwhile, Kay adds, "It's not the age, you dumb fuck." I don't think she's aiming that at me. It's the fact that one candidate is a literal fascist, an indicted criminal who literally cannot tell the truth, and the other guy's a little bit slower than he used to be, but is leading the best economic recovery from COVID in the world. Plus a bunch of other good policies. So what if he tripped walking sometimes? Enough with the both sides bullshit. From your mouth to God's ears, Kay. And Cynthia adds, the maggots are completely nuts. Last night, Cynthia says, I was browsing YouTube videos and saw one where this fella interviewed a maggot about his support for Trump. The idiot, in his reply, said that he would still vote for Trump if Trump shot and killed someone from the steps of the White House. They're so fucking brainwashed and deplorable that it gives me no hope for the soul of this country if Trump got back in. Tomorrow is Halloween. I sent a badly worded email a few weeks back about Trump or treat. I misstated it. It should have been trick or Trump. And I'll take the trick every time. Kind of, yes. Yes, right there, right there with you, Cynthia. 
And, and just just in a, uh, in in what universe is Victor Orban? He was my boyfriend. Uh, in what universe is Victor Orban a, a strong leader of anything? He's he's pretty universally despised throughout the rest of Europe. He's an absolute damn fascist, and and Europeans, I think, recognize a fascist when they see one a hell of a lot faster than we do. And he's just a nasty little autocrat. Mr. Orban, if you're nasty. Uh-oh, that's going to become, that might become a thing this evening, and that's not, not, not good. Um, and, uh, Ralph's notes, uh, it might be that Alina Habana Habana Habana, counsel for the parking garage, had to pay for Trump's latest Engoron fine. Uh, I think she did. Ten grand. I'll pay you back, Alina. Did I ever tell you how much you look like, Melanie? Because you do. And let's take a little side trip. Over to Arkenstan. We haven't talked much about it. Randy Radar says, I call Trump the Pied Pooper. Hmm. <laughs> That's a giggle. We haven't talked a lot, uh, 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 a lot about it, but uh, uh, Governor Jethreen Bodine there in Arkansas is in a bit of a mess. Even, uh, even, even. Members of her own party in the legislature are vexed about the fact that she used uh, Arkansas state money. Remember, Arkansas, not a lot of money. Spent it on a $19,000 lectern. Who knew, le- who knew lecterns could be $19,000? But there we are. But nobody seems to be able to find the $19,000 lectern. And when she was asked about it once again, well, she lost her shit. Austin Bailey wrote an editorial about it for the Arkansas Times this past Friday. In which he said a new $33 million, the, the press conference was about a new missile factory in Arkansas. A new $33 million facility will create 30 new jobs to crank out missiles for Israel's Iron Dome and a similar U.S. system, the Sky Hunter missile. The first batch won't roll off conveyor belts until 2025, but that didn't stop Sanders and the defense contractors from throwing a huzzah to Israel and yawping Arkansas's hawkish swagger. We don't shy away from being America's arsenal, Jethreen said. 
Only no one could tell who she was saying it to. We're not bashful about building the aircraft and weapons that are necessary to keep America safe. But then some wiseacre, some pixel-stained wretch, asked her about Lectern Gate. And she said, at this point, I think you guys are at a decision point. I'm not trying to be rude, but I think you have to decide whether you want to be actual journalists or whether you want to chase tabloid gossip. Right now, our focus is on actually building up industry and focusing on bringing jobs in and doing things that matter and help our Kenstanians while the press continues to chase down rabbit holes and go down ridiculous stories from people who are frankly just left-wing activists. Members of her own party in the legislature are now left-wing activists. Here we see the classic, and, and this is this is uh, Austin Bailey writing in his own voice. Here we see the classic, I know you are, but what am I, maneuver, a.k.a. I am rubber, your glue, wrote Bailey. It's a shockingly effective method, perhaps even more so for adults than for children. Proud of the misplaced burn attempt on Arkansas media's straight man, Sanders' cranky comms chief, Alexa Henning, took to social media to lob a flame emoji. But then, after her frontal assault on Arkansas's beloved Freedom of Information Act, a move that disgusted conservatives and progressives alike, maybe she needs a few years to regain ground. Uh, Sanders' efforts to boost her sagging poll numbers don't seem to be panning out. Oh, Jethreen, you're a mess, honey. So, she's melting down. Her former boss, for whom she lied on a daily basis, melting down. And we are uh, almost to the halfway point of the program. We've got um, $40 to go on Ralph's uh, Welcome Luna Challenge. Thank you, Christopher, for jumping in earlier. Thank you so much. So um, if we could meet that, we'd be get, we'd uh, get down to $1,700 to finish October. That would be better than eighteen hundred for for a fact. Um, cases left wing activists. Oh, is that the Republicans who aren't total fascists have become now? I thought they were rhinos. I guess they've moved up in the world. Sigh. How the hell are any of these people in or near positions of power? Because people who do not understand anything about governance uh, or even how to come in out of the rain in many instances continue to put them there because, well, they get to vote and they're excited about it. They act collectively.
Here's the last story. Uh, I'm trying to find it. Uh, oh, there it is. I- imagine this. It turns out that Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, the guy who was elected Florida the first time through with the help of real live, no kidding Nazis, and got called out for it by the only Jew in the entire Florida Republican legislative delegation. Well, Monkey Up is now, uh, uh, he's been caught in a lie. He claimed, uh, he claimed that he was responsible for running guns to the IDF for their attack on Gaza. Last Thursday, he said that he worked with the uh, Consul General for Israel, uh, in Miami to send military equipment, uh, drones, body armor, and helmets, you know, to Israel. Uh, according to the liars in his office, Monkey Up made efforts, quote, to get weapons and ammunition to Israel through private parties. And this was all part of the humanitarian aid that he also claimed he sent. A rescue operation. Uh, Chartered planes with humanitarian supplies and returning from Israel, they carried back hundreds of U.S. citizens who wanted to come home after the Hamas attacks. Uh, There's only one problem. Uh, the Consul General for Israel, Mayor Elbez Sterinsky, told Reuters he didn't ask for any help from Monkey Up, and that the only thing Monkey Up's office did was to clear some paperwork requirements for a previously uh, planned shipment of rifle parts that the government of Israel had ordered long before. Consul Elbaz Sterinsky said, I'm not aware and would find it very, very bizarre to think that somebody is procuring weapons and sending it to Israel. This is not how we work, and certainly not privately funded. He's such a, he's such a desperate little dweeb. He's now throwing money away on a special session of the legislature. No, I'm not kidding. He has called the Florida legislature back into session, special session, to approve sanctions that he wants on Iranian businesses and interests. This weekend, he spent uh, spent time in Vegas courting the uh, Republican Jewish Coalition at their meeting. Uh, 
And uh, Nikki Freed, the chair of the Florida Democratic Party, uh, speaking to the Miami Herald, said, As a native veteran, Ron should understand the importance of respecting the chain of command. This is a gross breach of norms and a political violation of federal laws governing the shipment of weapons. Uh, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby uh, this past Thursday said he wasn't sure Monkey Up had checked all the boxes. It is not illegal for the governor of a state to offer a measure of foreign assistance to another country, but there are laws and regulations which govern how the export process is handled. That's all done through commerce. I couldn't speak with authority today about whether the governor has checked all those boxes or not. So, well, there went the Guardian running off to the Department of Commerce. And folks, a spokesperson for the Department of Commerce said, Ah, you know, uh, we can't confirm details of particular transactions, but uh, we'd like to remind U.S. exporters seeking to provide support for Israel that appropriate federal authorizations are necessary. Consistent with the President's direction, the Bureau of Industry and Security and our interagency partners are working to appropriately expedite applications for assistance to Israel. Back to uh, Consul Elbaz Starinsky, who said, um, it really was the first days of the war. Everyone was panicked and stressed. Everything was urgent. I approached a few contacts including the governor's office, to get the final approval. It went through all the process. I'm not even sure at the end of the day which one untangled this thing and made the shipment be approved. And then, uh, just like uh, uh, Bibi the Yahoo backing away from the 40 beheaded babies, uh, Monkey Up's office is now... Uh, backing away from claiming it worked directly with the Consul General to help get weapons and ammunition. Uh, He's a liar. But then again, he's a fascist. That was interesting. I did catch a little bit. Uh, uh, well, I caught uh, earlier today. Uh, I caught a statement by Psycho BB, and he went. Uh, he 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 did the same. He did the thing again, where he said that um, Israel is fighting barbarians. And basically dehumanized anybody who's not, you know, with him. Hey, if you're not with us, you're against us. <laughs> now watch this drive. <laughs> but uh, in in the course of the litany of horrors, and and there are there were horrors. Make no mistake. All of a sudden, the 40 beheaded babies were gone. They didn't get a mention. I wonder why. Don't know. 
Just don't know. Oh, and uh, let's check in. Hmm. Let's check in with the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells. Stevie Three Shirts. It's always hilarious when a fascist calls someone else a Nazi. Uh, last time we checked in with Stevie Three Shirts, he was calling for... Uh, people to be taken out. Nothing ominous about that. But he, because he knows where his bread is buttered, Stevie Three Shirts ran to the defense of his orange god emperor with an attack. Now, now let's remember that the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells currently has his criminal convictions on appeal, right? Because a uh, negligent U.S. district judge let him remain at large while his conviction is on appeal. It may not be the best thing in the world for him to be running his mouth about who or what judges are but six semper fascisti okay we've had a little bit of a truncated show to start this week off we mm-hmm. had to do this though it's a must you had to see what's going you had to see the nonsense in this court you're watching something that no one in america would ever thought would have happened and that is kangaroo courts every bit as deadly as the nazi judges and, and Stalin's show trial on those two regimes. That's come to the United States of America. And the only way we're going to stop it is to defeat these people. There's no compromise here. You can't compromise on this. One side's going to win and one side's going to lose. And they understand that if Trump's name's on a ballot, he wins. And if he wins, you win. So they're going to do everything now to take him off every ballot. Besides bankrupting him, liquidating his business, sending him to prison for 700 years, they, they will leave no stone unturned to defeat you. Let me repeat this, to defeat you. Right. You, Emery. You, Marveline. Sitting there in your matching barca loungers at the ballerina Swan Lake and Country Club. You. Defeating you because... Well, if they decide to send Nitwit Nero to prison, Emery and Marveline, they're coming for you. They're coming for you. Help me here. Please explain to me how or why Anyone would ever believe such bilge? Nothing's going to happen to Emery and Marveline. Maybe Emery and Marveline survived the pandemic 
because of Joe Biden and him being all responsible and whatnot. I saw an interesting uh, poll result from NBC News. It's interesting and at the same time terrifying. By way of preface, let's note that in order, as we understood early on in the pandemic, and as some of us learned when the anti-vax movement really got its legs under it even before the pandemic, in order to achieve what is commonly referred to as herd immunity through vaccination, you've got to get north of around, what, 94% or so vaccine rate? Well, NBC News polled to find out who was vaccinated. The highest number group were Biden voters in the 2020 general election at 91%. Democrats in general are at 88%. Democratic Sanders and Warren voters are at 88%. Democratic Biden voters are at 87%. Age 65 and up, 86%. White college grads are at 80%. Urban residents, really, that's what we're saying, urban, are 79%. Black people, 76%. Women, 71%. Age 50 to 74, or 64, 71%. Latinos, 71%. All adults, 69%. Men, 67%. Suburban residents, 67%. Whites, 66%. 18 to 34, 63%. Then you get to Republicans who support party more than Trump, 62%. Uh, Those vaunted independents, 60%. White non-college grads, 60%. White white evangelicals, 59%. Uh, The age 35 to 49 demographic, 58%. Uh, My 35 to 49 friends, y'all are in trouble. Republicans generally... 55%. Rural Americans, 52%. Trump voters in the 2020 general election, 50%. And finally, the lowest number on the entire list, Republicans who support Trump more than party, 46%. I don't know about you, but it feels like there's a clue in there somewhere. And probably the most depressing part of it all is that even the uh, 
Biden voters in the 2020 general election, yay, us, uh, 91%. That's still well short by three or four percentage points of herd immunity. Just as a point of comparison, when the polio vaccine was finally developed, discovered, Americans ran to get it. Because a lot of Americans had seen the effect of polio. Iron lungs were a real thing. And loved ones in iron lungs were a real thing. And perhaps even more so, the after effects of people who survived polio served as a stark and living reminder that nobody wanted to even risk it. Back in those somewhat more intelligent days, apparently, back in those social media free days, people understood what they did not want and particularly they understood Uh, there wasn't a movement out there telling them to rub aardvark antifungal on their gums or stick aquarium cleaner up their butts or wear onions in their socks or drink copious amounts of their own pee-pee. Kind of calls into question the whole, the whole idea of the March of Progress, doesn't it? But here we are. <laughs> well, well th- thank you, TJ. TJ with a note going back to my Dean Phillips impression. Oh my God, you sound like the car salesman on Fargo. I think his name's William Macy. I think uh, I think I'll take that as a compliment, kinda, maybe. So, Nazi judges. That's a Nazi judge. What they were doing is they were watching the Colorado, uh, uh, the Colorado Fourteenth Amendment trial. And 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 those are Nazi judges who are actually interpreting the Constitution of the United States, like you know. Marbury versus Madison says it's the province of the judiciary to do. 
Nazis. Nazis, I tell you, Nazis. And I do not necessarily think that if Trump is on the ballot, Trump wins. Because by the time 52 more weeks pass, if in fact he is the Republican nominee, and there is every reason to think he will be, there will be so many clips of him lying that the people making the people making the the commercials will be hard pressed to decide on which lies to highlight. Uh, consider the latest out of the the, the trial before Justice Arthur and Goron. This has something to do with a little golf parcel, the Ferry Point Golf Course, run by the Department of Parks and Recreation of the New, of the City of New York. And documents in the trial indica- indicate that uh, when he was pursuing the right to run that public golf course. He claimed that he was worth three billion dollars and had. million cash on hand. Later on, though, the $3 billion wasn't enough, so uh, they inflated the number to $5 billion. The evidence presented by uh, the uh, lawyers for the Attorney General noted that at no point in time did the net worth of Tangerine Tiberius ever exceed two point one billion. New York City Parks Department Assistant, Assistant Commissioner for Business Development David Saron testified today. We wanted to be, wanted to be sure, as we would always, that the operator in place had the funds to deliver on their obligations. Now, on cross-examination, Assistant Commissioner Saron said uh, funds on hand weren't as as important uh, in the awarding of the contract as were intangibles like operational experience. And the Trump and, and, and the Trump trial is going to be absolutely chock a block with little nuggets like this. Lie after lie after lie after lie. Oh, and just a reminder of where uh, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells gets his talking points. Well, sometime after midnight this morning, I guess unable to sleep, or maybe it was a scheduled tripe, 
Uh, he got on his rattletrap social media site that mm, before too long may not even be his anymore. Hell, it may not even be online. But he got on Tripe Social and posted a tripe. And uh, said, Why didn't crooked Joe Biden tell his injustice department to file the lawsuits and indictments against me three years ago instead of right in the middle of my campaign for president? You're setting a bad precedent for yourself, Joe. The same can happen to you. And what did Stevie Three Shirts say today? Later, to, uh, later on in the same day, if they do it to him, they're doing it to you. So, with the gag order in place, now he's uh, making threats against the president of the United States. These third world Biden indictments, which should never have been filed, would have been tried and over with years ago. My sleazebag opponent shouldn't be able to do this during my campaign or before the election or before the sun burns out. (sighs) Jesus Christ. So there's another one. And, and, you know, Judge Shutkin, if there's a conviction when she gets to the uh, when she gets to the sentencing phase, uh, her poor little law clerks are going to be as harried as the people making the ads next year. Trying to find each and every instance of people he tried to intimidate during the course and scope of the trial. It could happen to you. Right? And I, at this point in time, I would say that uh, uh, the running the running theory inside the Horn Family Community Congregation that he ain't going to make it. Isn't that what Todd said? Probably he ain't going to make it. And we don't necessarily know what form that will take. There seems to be a consensus that there's a significant likelihood of, well, you know, the plaid blanket, the oatmeal dribbling down the front of his uh, front of his sweatshirt, probably probably a Snoopy on the front sh- sweatshirt or something like that. Classic, classic convalescent home attire. Some bundled up, uh, some bundled up gray sweatpants. Yeah, wheelchair, etc. Oh, but it's not just the golf course thingy that, and, and his inflation of his net worth. Um, it's also Magaloco, that tacky-ass golf motel. you got to wonder about the intelligence of wealthy people. Uh, who who would sign on for a place like that? Who would give a couple of hundred grand? Now, if you are a real life, no kidding, billionaire, a couple of hundred grand to be a member at some swanky ass golf club, well, shit, that's like char- that's like charging you or me a penny. 
but generally, people with that kind of wealth want to go somewhere nice. And Magaloco ain't that. Not by a long shot. And so it turns out that uh, according to uh, evidence in the case in Manhattan, the uh, a vice president for the Trump org says that Nitwit Nero overvalued Magaloco by a factor of nearly 20 times. According to the documentary evidence, in 2020, Julius Geezer valued Magaloco at $517 million, but that didn't jibe with his tax rep, uh, uh, Trump Org VP Raymond Flores, who signed a waiver with the Palm Beach County's assessment that it was worth $27 million. Now, if you think about this in terms of taxation and the Palm Beach County assessor, um, $27 million yields a lot less tax dollars than $517 million. And somehow or another, the number just keeps going up. On Tripe Social, Julius Geezer said that uh, Magaloco is worth a billion and a half dollars, one billion dollars, and another half a billion dollars. Now that it's been agreed in court that Magaloco is worth 50 to 100 times the value of the racist and incompetent Attorney General of New York State, Letitia Peekaboo James, ascribed to it $18 million. And likewise, other assets that were valued crazily low by this monster that it's allowed violent crime in New York to reach epidemic levels. She's not the District Attorney of New York, you fucking idiot. And dangerous illegal migrants to roam free all over our state. Wait a minute. Which state is your state, dipshit? You bailed on your New York residency to become a resident of Florida. We hope the judge will terminate his first ruling of fraud in that he was given false and ridiculous information by the Trump deranged lunatic A.G. James. Uh, the thing is, though, uh, from the trial today, well, uh, documents that have entered in, been entered into evidence in this uh, disgorgement proceeding, thank you, Steve, indicate that uh, Flores uh, agreed that the value is overstated. From the report via ABC News, Trump's tax representative tried to appeal the assessment in 2020 before eventually withdrawing the appeal. In that withdrawal, Trump's representative conceded that the petitioner agrees with the determination of the property appraiser or tax collector. 
Flores was on the stand, and Andrew Amer, the state attorney from New York, said, was it your understanding that the appeal was withdrawn because the Trump organization agreed with the value of the property assessor? And Vice President Flores said, yes. And they had some worries when Nitwit Nero fled New York and gave up his New York uh, citizenship, so to speak. And there are emails between the former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, and Eric the Dummer that had, in fact, been forwarded by Flores. It's just going to get worser and worser and worser. And this is going to be a tough week for him. Mercy sakes. Because Friday, barring action by the court otherwise, Friday, well, precious princess, I wank him a daddy Trump Kushner is going to have to testify against her old man. And Ralphs gets right to the heart of the matter. Why on earth would Donnie want Mar-a-Lago to be worth a billion dollars? The less it's valued, the less he has to pay in taxes. Yeah, but, well, even when, when, he, thinks about, when he thinks about it, if he doesn't inflate the value of his holdings, even the Viagra doesn't work anymore. And so former uh, White House Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews uh, had a little chat with Alex Witt on MSNBC and explained just, well, explained what the potential is of having Precious Princess Iwanka my daddy Trump Kushner testify against Daddy. Um, no, Hannah is exactly right. So that specific instance that Hannah recalled, um, I was on in the West Wing on January 6th, and everyone was trying to get Ivanka to get the former president to tweet out something to tell the rioters to go home, to uh, stop the violence. And she was the one who finally convinced him to do so. And she does have a huge influence on him. Uh-oh, Sarah Matthews is another maggot. Huh. How about that? There's no dem- no damn Democrat to be found anywhere. It's all Republicans turning on him. And that probably galls him more than anything else. Because remember, he's a wannabe mob boss. And so I think that uh, she is very involved in the family and her testimony will be extremely valuable to this case. Hmm. You know, Renata, prosecutors are basically accusing Donald Trump of employing a fake-it-till-you-make-it strategy, and they want to use Ivanka's testimony to detail how exactly she leveraged inflated asset values to bring cash in for her father. This is all pre-presidency, by the way. But he was, at that time, desperately strapped for cash. Is that why they are fighting to get her on the stand, in spite of her own and her father's efforts to keep her from being there? Yeah, I, I do think, think that they view okay. this as a win. Sorry, they view this as a win-win for them. So first of all, there's the possibility, of course, that she takes the fifth, 
which her brother did, for example, Eric Trump over 500 times, that's mm -hmm. a win in a civil trial. In a civil trial like this one, that can be used against Trump uh, and his companies. But if she doesn't, she's going to have the same sort of carefully worded testimony that we saw from the, you know, the January 6th committee uh, just a moment ago, where she tries to thread some sort of needle. The problem is one thing that absolutely can be sure that she's not going to do is say that she personally attested to a false valuation that went to a lender. So she's going to claim that those valuations are accurate. The problem for Trump and his organization is that those same valuations uh, were contradictory to other valuations that were submitted elsewhere, particularly for tax purposes. So that's a problem uh, that Trump has, and that's really the strength of the New York AG's case. But, but why? I mean, she, she is not on trial, right? So... Look, if she were sure if she were to lie, she could be charged with perjury at some point. So why wouldn't she tell the truth if that's exactly what happened? Those things you said she would not say. I think she probably will. Uh, but there's countervailing balances here. So first of all, she has to be concerned about her own liability. And on the same end, she has the other side of things. She has to be concerned about not. Uh, poisoning her relationship with her father, right? She has a loyalty to her father and her family. She doesn't want to throw her father and her family under the bus, but at the same time, she wants to protect her own hide, so to speak. And so she's going to try, I think, likely to, to have a delicate balance. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't, I don't, we don't know all of the specifics about what the testimony might be. I think it's fair to say that one reason why her lawyer tried to keep her, keep her off the stand so fervently is because either she's going to have to say things that are damaging to her uh, family mm -hmm. or she's going to have to take Forgive the family, me, Daddy. She's going to create problem, problems for the family, family as well. We're having a little bit of trouble with your um, audio there, Renato. But very quickly, uh, they, the judge says give her until Wednesday to appeal. Is she going to do that? Uh, I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Going to try to delay. So, Sarah, what about uh, the siblings? What do you know about their relationship? Will she have trepidation saying things about them that could hurt them in the case? I mean, does she, Renata brought this up, does she risk being estranged from her family after this? They are a close-knit family, and um, they, while they have their issues, I don't know that she's going to want to uh, put them in a bad situation. And uh, obviously, because then it will uh, reflect back on her and it will look poorly on her and her father. And so I think that she is going to be careful with her words and try to protect her family. But at the end of the day, something that I knew very well from working with Jared and Ivanka in the White House was that they were always concerned with their own reputations first. We saw this in news stories all the time, where if Trump would uh, enact a policy or tweet something vile out, then in the reporting, there would always be, oh, Jared and Ivanka disagreed, though, or they tried to push back. And so they were always trying to make themselves look good in the media. And um, I think that she is going to be very concerned with how she is coming across with her testimony. And it's going to be very guarded. And so that's going to be probably a bigger factor than um, trying to protect her family. Well, look, in, in terms of you know making yourself look good, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? But to you, Hannah, there were a couple of reports last week that suggested Mark Meadows may have flipped against Trump and Jack Smith's election fraud case. His lawyer said those reports were, quote, largely inaccurate. 
Trump then dedicated two social media posts to Meadows, and Jack Smith immediately asked D.C. Judge Tanya Chutkin to reimpose a, a gag order on Trump, calling those posts an unmistakable and threatening message to a foreseeable witness in the case. Meadows handed over text messages to your committee, Hannah. Then he abruptly stopped cooperating. How do you interpret what's happening here? I mean, what is the likelihood of Meadows flipping? This is, if true, huge, right? Mark Meadows was the person that turned over those text messages, like you said, Alex. He also turned over some documents to us. Um, some of those documents were emails or correspondences he had that just showed the impact and his role that he played across the different January 6th pressure campaigns that Donald Trump had, right? So Mark Meadows stopped cooperating with us. I don't really know why. It didn't really make sense to, to anyone on the committee at the time. Congress ended up recommending him to the DOJ for contempt of Congress. But when you think about Meadows' role, I think a lot of us think about how close he was with Donald Trump on January 6th, the fact that he was on the George Raffens the Raffensburger call in Georgia, and that he was a big part of the DOJ effort to replace the acting DOJ with someone that Trump wanted. But there's other parts of the scheme that he was also a part of, right? We found an email that he had sent in early December from a guy named Ken Chesbrough. That name now is more familiar to folks because Chesbrough was an attorney that was an architect for the fake electors plot. He just pled guilty in Georgia, right? So Mark Meadows was also a big part of the fake elector scheme that isn't talked about as much. If he, in fact, is cooperating with Jack Smith, I think we saw Donald Trump's reaction. He's very nervous about this because this is a guy that knows a lot of information. And if it's being used against Donald Trump, might shed even more light than what we already know about the plot to overturn the 2020 election. Last question to you, Sarah, because you also know Mark Meadows from the White House. Does the prospect of him flipping sound too much for him to do against Donald Trump? I think that if he's smart, he will. And I think something with um, Mark Meadows was during my time working with him, he was definitely one of Trump's biggest enablers. And um, Hannah's exactly right. He was at the center of everything when it came to trying to overturn the election. And so Donald Trump has to be shaking in his boots if he thinks that uh, now that Mark Meadows is cooperating. But I kind of think that the likelihood is high. We've heard that Mark Meadows and Donald Trump are no longer um, on speaking terms. They no. don't speak. They haven't spoken no besties. in months. And so I think that Trump world knew for a while that this was coming, um, but they're definitely scared if he is cooperating because he'll have a lot of knowledge and he has a lot of reason to flip. He was definitely probably has the most to lose other than Donald Trump when it comes to this case. And so I think that if he is smart and getting wise counsel, then he is uh, cooperating and um, definitely telling the truth, which is refreshing, even though, you know, it took three years for him to now acknowledge these things. We saw in recent reporting, he said that um, obviously we knew that we didn't win. And that is, um, like I said, refreshing for him to be saying and finally acknowledging, but at the same time, refreshing. extremely frustrating when you think that his lies and deception that he enacted on behalf of Donald Trump to try to overturn the election and poison the minds of Americans um, has now resulted in a lot of Americans thinking that Joe Biden did not win legitimately. And so while I'm happy that he is cooperating potentially, um, I think that's a good thing for democracy. Um, it seems like he's doing so to save himself, but at the end of the day, if it means um, helping democracy, then I'm happy that he is cooperating. Oh, I'm happy you're happy, Sarah. 
I, our focus is so very much as is more than understandable on Mango Mussolini. But the ones up there in the thin oxygen with him, like Meadows, I mean, the story is that there's an immunity agreement. And I understand why prosecutors make deals. I mean, if you want, you know, if, if, if you want John Gotti, you'll make deals with the guy immediately below John Gotti. Sure. But Mark Meadows deserves to be punished at a level commensurate with Trump. Or perhaps even more harshly. Because he knew. And yet, as as Sarah Matthews pointed out, she he, he continued to enable everything awful that Trump was doing. But then again, maybe it's just a means-end analysis. I wanted to share something with you now that we are into the second hour, or third hour of the program. Um, Micah sent something along. She was she was at home today, um, working, and uh, sent me a note. And she said, "Just had a person come to my door running for city council." I said, "I had two specific questions. The first question was, did Donald Trump win the 2020 election?" And she said. That question had a couple of different answers. I said, no, it has one answer. What was it? And she said, yes, Donald Trump won the 2020 election. I said, thank you. I won't be voting for you. Micah notes if she had said she uh, that he didn't win it, my next question would have been about book banning, since that keeps being a thing around here. Well, Micah, honey, that's because you've got moms for liberty. Set liberty. Set. You know, that ugly little... Uh, well, it's 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 like the junior league for fascist women, the brown skirts. And they suck and they have a lot of tax exempt grift money. Um uh, K writing in Lock his ass up already. Any normal criminal defendant would already be rotting in prison, even waiting trial, if they did a small percentage of what Orange Asshole or any of these fascist criminals did. Wake me up when they're in prison. Okay, I think you want to stick around for the festivities. 
and remember, Nitwit Nero has ten days from some uh, from last week to tell Judge Tanya Chutkin whether he wants the trial to be on the TV. And maybe you know, may, maybe in the end, it, it's his it's his say over that of ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, etc. I'm going to be curious to see what his answer is. And he's kind of in a box. But, uh, Kay, speaking of sent, uh, locked their ass up already, Shane Jenkins, probably never heard of him, but uh, Shane Jenkins is off to the joint. Uh, this was from earlier this month. Um, going up for seven years, $5,176 in restitutions. What's interesting, among other things, Shane Jenkins brought a tomahawk with him. And he flung a desk drawer and a flagpole at police. But most importantly, he referred to uh, his former god emperor as a grifter. Because he is. By the way, this is a conversation program, and so far it's been two hours and 11 minutes of a filler lobster. If you'd like to, if, you, if, if you've got something to say, uh, feel free. Uh, jump right in. The stress line number is 844-843-4676. 844-THE-HORN. That'll get you in. So will Skype, Robin, Kincaid Horn, all one word, Kincaid and Horn, Robin, Kincaid Horn. That will get you through on Skype. And in the alternative, we'll just keep, uh, we'll keep moving along. How about this? 43-year-old John Anthony Miller has been arrested. He's from Nevada. He is charged with repeatedly threatening a senator from Nevada, leaving numerous voice messages at the senator's office earlier this month, threatening to assault, kidnap, or murder the senator. The Justice Department is not, at least at present, releasing the name of the senator.
he was arrested last week. October 18th, John Anthony Miller, age 43, showed up at a courthouse in Las Vegas and said he wanted to see the senator. Nobody would let him in. So he started yelling dirty words. Lock him up. Lock him up. Lock him up. But his emails, right? Then there's another maggot uh, who uh, is in court. Scott McFarlane at CBS News reporting on 34-year-old maggot uh, um, uh, domestic terrorist Vitaly Joskankowski. Vitaly Goschenkowski. There was a hearing, and prosecutors um, made the argument to the court that he really should be locked up before sentencing because he had, must be a thing, he's been sending threatening messages to law enforcement officials. And so during their argument in court, the prosecution pointed out the fact that uh, Vitaly Goschenkowski publicized the identities and emails of federal agents on his Instagram account. And, well, because here we are, accused him of being Jewish ultra-parasitic leftists. And you know what? That's even worse than a neoliberal establishment shill. Goschenkowski's lawyers didn't have a lot to work with. The pettifoggers tried to argue that uh, he was just blowing off steam. That's what he was doing. Yeah, just blowing off steam. And he had a big beef with how law enforcement treated him. And the U.S. District Judge, Paul Friedman, uh, he saw what the pettifoggers were selling, and he wasn't buying. So he sent Vitaly Goschenkowski off to the stir in a D.C. jail. You know, the same jail where Marginal Trailer Queen says that the political prisoners are being held. I guess Goschenkowski is going to be another political prisoner. Uh, and after after the... Uh, judge ordered him held in advance of uh, sentencing. Well, Vitaly Goschenkowski, uh, what we would say here in the hills, threw a plum fit. Uh, reporting from the courtroom, Scott McFarland said, uh, the table is nearly toppled. He makes guttural screams and fights off agents. A computer plunges off defense table in the scrum. Scrum. How often do you hear scrum in a story about a proceeding in a federal courtroom? Well, probably more more often over over these uh, fucking terrorists than otherwise you might. 
Other agents from elsewhere in courthouse run into Judge Friedman's courtroom to corral Goss Jankowski, who is huge and strong. He was convicted earlier this year of obstructing the joint session of Congress, civil disorder, and assaulting a police officer. And so... uh, he, he apparently thinks he was taken down by, you ready for this, Brother Deacon? The Jews! Maybe Marge can visit him and soothe him by telling him about the Jewish space lasers. Who is you? I mean, those, those, those tables in courtrooms state or federal, aren't exactly rickety. It's not like those folding tables you buy down to the Wally world where the legs pop out and fold out and everything. I mean, the mental image I have, I don't know about you, but the mental image... Fire bad! Right? Jew bad! He is huge and strong. It took multiple agents to take this terrorist down. Send him away. For a very long time. I hope those were all felonies that we rattled off there. And it's kind of wild that we've gone all the way through the program and haven't had much to say about Mullah Mike. Oh, uh, Lou in PA. Uh, did you cover the fact that Thomas, uh, Fappy Thomas's debt vis-a-vis his massive camper was simply forgiven? It isn't clear if he paid federal tax on his forgiven debt. I think I ran across that. Yeah, I think I may have mentioned it somewhere along the way. The most crooked judge ever to occupy a seat on perhaps any federal bench, and certainly the bench of the Supreme Court of the United States. So, more information emerged about Mullah Mike over the weekend. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of a drip, drip, drip affair. You know, until we, we until we find out that, like, you know, his Republican speaker predecessor, Denny the Sweaty Wrestler Hastert, we find out that he's fucking little boys, or uh, we find out that, like another of his Republican predecessors, Newt Gangreen, uh, he's banging an intern like a gong. Because, you know, he's a Christian. Well... Um, he's, he, he's, he's, he's a vicious, hateful piece of shit. Uh, one, uh, one scholar who's in the know says that, uh, He's tied to all kinds of anti-democratic radicals, extremists. Uh, Writing at the Bulwark, Matthew D. Taylor 
said politically extreme conservative Christians were some of the foremost leaders who bought into and bolstered Trump's 2020 election lies, who used theology to justify their own authoritarianism, and who brought their extremist theologies into the heart of right-wing politics. Um, Matthew D. Taylor is a scholar at the Institute for Islamic, Christian, and Jewish Studies and added, Mike Johnson can be located in this group. And if Jude is listening this evening, um, the little hairs will stand up on the back of her neck when she hears this part, because she's been uh, she's been trying to raise awareness of them for a long time. Uh, Mike Johnson, for years, has worked with a group called the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, it's a it's another radical um, Christo-fascist white nationalist operation, and it's all tax-free. Hallelujah. And he's particularly fond of Jim Garlow and Mario Bromnick, Johnson is. And they're biggies within the movement. And they push something called and this is where Jude comes in, the Seven Mountains Mandate. The goal of the Seven Mountains Mandate in turn is to Transform the United States of America into a full-blown Christian theocracy. In his piece at the Bulwark, Taylor said, After the 2020 election was called for Joe Biden, Garlow and Bromnick organized a series of global prayer for election integrity calls where they gathered like-minded <coughs> Christians... <coughs> predominantly others who were on board with the Seven Mountain Paradigm. Uh, The Seven Mountains are an allegory for seven areas of society and culture. Government, education, entertainment, the arts, politics. I'm just sort of rattling them off. Um... Not sure what all seven are. Uh, but they uh, prayed and organized for Trump's reinstatement as president. Political schemer Steve Bannon, future far-right Pennsylvania gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano, Christian nationalist worship leader Sean Fucht, and former general and current conspiracy theorist Michael Flynn all joined at least one of these calls, making them a central Interface between the grassroots Christian nationalist forces angrily mobilizing on Trump's behalf, on the one hand, and the planners and orchestrators of January 6th, who intended to channel their rage towards specific objectives on the other. And the calls are still ongoing. They've transformed it into the World Prayer Network calls, And the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mullah Mike, 
participates in those calls on a regular and enthusiastic basis. In One World Prayer Network call, Johnson said, You've been a profound influence on my life and my walk with Christ, brother. Never mind the fact that if Jesus H. Christ showed up on Mike Johnson's doorstep and said, Hello, my name's Jesus H. Christ. Mike Johnson would probably pull out his freedom protector and murder him on the spot because he'd look like a, well, you know, maybe a Palestinian terrorist. Wearing a dress and everything, hippie sandals. Uh, apparently Johnson is also close with uh, a gospel shop sharp for the Christian Center Shreveport named Timothy Karskadden who hustles something called Dutch Sheets I know what a Dutch cap is what Dutch Sheets um and they claim the Bible teaches that the government should do the church's bidding. And he had a direct line to the Nitwit Nero uh, White House. Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets is apparently a person, not bed linens. Dutch Sheets is an influential activist, and he was a core, though covert, advisor to the Trump administration, helping to coordinate prayer and spiritual warfare efforts. This he did, not only along with Garlow and Bramnick, but also in concert with Mike Pence, well, hello, and Paula White Kane. Uh, you remember her. She's a gospel sharp and a hustler that was snuggled up to Nitwit Nero. Taylor said, I have previously reported on a bizarre multi-hour meeting at the White House that brought Trump administration officials together with Dutch Sheets, who was accompanied by a team of his most trusted apostles and prophets. It took place December 29, 2020, eight days before the attack on the Capitol. Taylor more or less concludes saying, there is no contradiction in observing that Mike Johnson is both a mild-mannered, courteous, conservative, evangelical Christian and a politically extreme ideologue. He has surrounded himself with some of the most dangerous anti-democratic Christian leaders in the country, the same people who theologized the January 6th insurrection and offered them his public support and praise. Is there any doubt, Taylor asks, about the flock to which he belongs? No, no doubt at all. None whatsoever. And so, um, I had a note earlier today, as the program began, uh, from our buddy Irish Dave, saying, this is some shit, huh? It's like they're on a mission from God. And it's an article about Mike Johnson's wife, Kelly, who spent several days last week on her knees in prayer. 
Well, she, uh, uh, Kelly Johnson and Mike sort of run a hand-in-hand hustle. She's a Christian counselor. And uh, she specialized in temperament therapy. They claim to build their therapy on the teachings of the Greek physician Hippocrates, he of the Hippocratic Oath. The beating heart of her counseling grift was apparently telling people that uh, homosexuality uh, is is aberrant, evil, vulgar, on and on and on. And, and, and she classified people into uh, th- uh, uh, terminologies like choleric and phlegmatic and said those, those typologies were ordained by God. Curiously, right after he became speaker, Kelly's website went dark. They both worked, uh, Kelly and Mullah Mike, Handmade Kelly, Mullah Mike, uh, have long been associated with the right-wing religious grifts. She also claims to be an advisor to Louisiana Right for Life. And temperament counseling was founded in the 1980s by a Christian couple. Uh, A a catalog of the organization's offering says, the state licensed professional counselor in certain states is forbidden to pray, read, or refer to the Holy Scriptures, counsel against such things as homosexuality and abortion, etc., Initiating such counsel should be could be considered unethical by the state. So, as a temperament counsel, here's how Kelly Johnson uh, types people. And understand, all these terms are practically antediluvian. This 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 may this probably goes back further than. Nasty shit like uh, forced, confined bathing. 
it's a hell of a lot more awful than it sounds. Uh, if if you go to see Kelly Johnson, it, you can be classified as either melancholy, choleric, sanguine, supine, or phlegmatic. Because and and they call it temperaments because they say, you know, personalities are are, are just a mask, but temperaments are inborn. And therefore, once you're phlegmatic, you're always phlegmatic. And this shit doubles back to freaks like Tim LaHaye. The guy who wrote the Left Behind novels, he's... At one point, he was kind of... I don't know. He was the L. Ron Hubbard of the of the uh, 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 right-wing Christian weirdo set. And here's the thing. This is a counseling system that relies on demons. No, demons, you know. As in, burn the demons out of the witch. Demons. Uh, they use uh, temperament testing to drive demons out of a client so that they can better be able to receive and act upon godly counsel, including recommendations from the APS profiles. APS is the temperament uh, testing. Sort of like when the Scientologists go hunting around for, you know, beatings. Now they've always got a testimony. Uh, these these evangelicals and well, Kelly said that uh, she experienced deliverance through extraordinary trials, including recovering from a broken neck in a 2007 car accident and other serious health challenges. Wonder why God sent her that car wreck? Well, to deliver her. And they attend uh, uh, Cypress Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, Stan. Uh, The Cypress Baptist Church says, we welcome all. We do. But uh, the only thing we recognize is the biblical definition of marriage. And and you can only have fucky-fuck time once you're married. And it's got to be a man and a woe-man. Uh, it's it's funny, though. On Thursday, Mullah Mike said, Well, I recognize same-sex marriage as settled law because of the Obergefell versus Hodges ruling. And I don't... I love this part. I don't have anything personally against LGBTQ people. I just... 
I just questioned their lifestyle choices. Now, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's, it's real fun because, uh, among other things, Mullah Mike has, has decried the cognitive decline of Joe Biden. But sometime, somehow or another, um, in an interview with um, the dumbest man in political talk, the community college dropout and life support system for a haircut, the Hannity job. Well, uh, even though even though Joe Biden, he says, is in cognitive decline, uh, agreeing with uh, the Hannity job, he said, I do. I think most of us do. That is reality. It is not a personal slight to him. It has to do with age and acumen and Everyone is different. Everyone ages differently. Clearly, if you look at a tape of Joe Biden and making an argument in the Senate Judiciary Committee a few years ago and you see a speech that he delivers now, there's a difference. Well, he's president now, dipshit, so there's that. What's curious, though, is that, amazingly, the Hannity job actually asked him about all the times that he shit on LGBTQ people. And somehow or another, Mullah Mike couldn't remember that cognitive decline. And of course, while we remember former Pennsylvania Senator Rick Sanctum Sanctorum as being Rick Man on Dog. Santorum. If you let the queers get married, they're going to marry their dogs next. Well, it turns out that writing in 2003, some 13 years before he got to the house, Mullah Mike, a committed Christian with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, wrote, States have many legitimate grounds to proscribe same-sex deviant sexual intercourse. Talk about it more, Mike. Think about it more, Mike. You think about it all the time, honey. In 2003, he wrote that because he wanted more laws to make it a criminal offense to be gay. And then he said that if... uh, marriage equality were to come to pass, it could lead a person to marry his pet. And having some of these things listed to him, Mullah Mike told the Hannity job, Uh, I don't even remember some of them. I mean, that was 15 years ago. I was a litigator that was called upon to defend the state marriage amendments. But I respect the rule of law. I also genuinely love all people. This is not about the people themselves. This is about their lifestyle choices. Oh, you evil fuck. Decoupage is a lifestyle choice. 
scrapbooking is a lifestyle choice. Tailgating before a college football game, or even the NFL, is a lifestyle choice. Hunting, blowing away Bambi in the woods is a lifestyle choice. And these clueless fascist pricks never ever seem able to recognize that I mean, and, and isn't this some principle that you learn in algebra or geometry or something that if one if two plus one equals three three equals one plus two as well and that sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander you know personally I disagree with Mike and Kelly's Lifestyle choice in being straight and hung up and spending all their time thinking about how gay folks get it on. It's kind of yucky. And we've got, um, we've got a little, you know, God, our, dis- our disasters come and go so fast. But over the weekend, what I suspected to be true was proven true. Namely, that... Uh, uh, the... the, the uh, Mass murdering Manor card after having unleashed hell in Lewiston, Maine. I, I, I guess the voices went silent and it dawned on him what he had done. And he went somewhere and gobbled the muzzle of his AR-15 and blew himself to hell. And it turns out he was more than just a lawful gun owner with a problem. No. His social media, because social media will tell on you. His, his social media pointed out the fact that he was a follower of, of course, people like Joe Rogaine and testicle toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson, Elon Musk, you know, the, the, the usual manosphere subject, uh, the, Subjects, suspects. And now we know that police in Maine were warned, actively warned, that Robert Card threatened to carry out a shooting spree. But never, not once, did the cops 
make contact with him. The New York Times noting that the threats and the warnings about the threats were far more explicit than Maine officials have publicly acknowledged in the wake of Wednesday's shooting. Well, of course, he's a lawful gun owner. They're delicate and precious. And you wouldn't want to go and talk to him about it or anything. He might decide to shoot you. Instead of murdering 18 people, one of them a child, at kids' night bowling, at a bar and grill, apparently named after a comedy skit from Second City TV. But in the meantime, being a fan and a follower of the Manosphere, there's that overlapping Venn diagram again, you know. In March, well, uh, from an Associated Press report of the 27th of this month, the AP said, in March, he liked a tweet by Trump that read, and, and I think we're talking here about Trader Tot, Jr. In March, he liked a tweet by Trump that read, Given the incredible rise of trans non-binary mass shooters in the last few years, by far the largest group committing as a, per- a percentage of population, maybe rather than talking about guns, we should be talking about lunatics pushing their gender-affirming bullshit on our kids. Suffice to say, the entirety of that statement is a lie. No, the vast, the, the vast majority of shooters are young and white and male. The 4th of July murderer in Illinois dressed as a woman to make his escape easier. He was not gender non-conforming or trans or non-binary. There was nothing gender non-conforming, non-binary or trans about the, uh, the, the, the young incel who harassed women online, who shot up the school at Uvalde. And while the, the, the murderer at Club Q in Colorado Springs tried to hide behind a non-binary fig leaf, he wasn't either. But the one thing that they hang on to most desperately is the shooter at Covenant Christian School in Nash Vegas. And we still don't know the motive for that shooting. Although we do know that there was a horrifying sexual abuse history there. Uh, Some conflicting information. Ralph's sending along uh, something. Namely, that cops were sent to the main gunman's home weeks before the massacres amid concern he's going to snap and commit a mass shooting. 
officers from uh, Sagatahawk County and Kennebec County Sheriff's offices tried to contact Robert Card on September 16th. And uh, the responding sergeant from the Sagatahawk County Sheriff's Office was told, when he answers the door at his trailer in the past, he usually does so with a handgun in hand, out of view from the person outside. That was after a welfare check. By the way, Robert Card's wife and child were in hiding And the wellness check was initiated by Robert Card's Army Reserve Unit. Quote, out of an abundance of caution after the unit became concerned for his safety, the Army takes all allegations seriously. Due to an ongoing Army investigation, we cannot go into further details. Thanks, Ralphs. Oh, and uh, there is $40 remaining on Ralph's uh, Welcome Little Luna Challenge. we got about 10 minutes to knock that down. If anybody would like to join in alongside Christopher, who took care of the first $10 of it. If we get 40 more, it turns into 100 courtesy of Ralph's and gets us down to $1,700 to finish the month. Thank you, Ralph's, and thank you, Christopher. Uh, note from Brother Deacon Asa, Jewish space lasers. Hold on a minute. Marge didn't say the space lasers themselves were Jewish. The half-wit said they were secular space lasers operated by a Jewish family, in this case the Rothschilds. Get your facts straight, Robin. We regret the error. Apparently the Jewish space lasers' mothers were not Jewish. Jesus, the stupidity that runs rampant in this country. Oh, and I got something here. Uh, a, a note from uh, Steve in New York. Steve would like the input of the community, if anyone would like to offer it. The time has come, Steve says. I'm asking the Horn Community Congregation for its indulgence as I write this appeal. I'm writing to announce a big change in my life. As many know, I'm a lawyer living in New York. I've been doing the work-for-myself thing going on ten years. Well, I've had my fill of that, and I'm now looking to make a big change. I'm looking to go back working for a firm or working in-house somewhere. I'm also exploring doing something not technically in the legal field, but where I could use that skill set. Finally, as part of my medium-to-long-term plan, I'm seeking a geographic change. I am therefore asking the Horn Community Congregation for any help, suggestions, insight, referrals, etc. in my job and geographic search. If you really, if you need any more information from me or want to obtain more details or just want to offer any support, please email Robin and she can pass the email to me 
and I will reach out with my email. I really cannot thank you enough. Good luck, Steve. God knows you've put in the time. I could not. I mean, I know. I know it's a. It, it, it can be a heady legal atmosphere. You know, Gotham. But with all all the love in the world to all of all of our friends here in the Horn Community Congregation in New York, I'm thinking Lee in New York and Kim. Um, I don't think I could survive there. I mean, I loved visiting, but and 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 you know, I think of Tara out in Queens. I. It's got to be hard. And, of course, no one loves New York more than New Yorkers, so I get that side of the coin, too. So any thoughts you all may have, feel free to send them along uh, to me, and then I, in turn, will send them off to Steve. And if you all want to engage in a little little back-channel conversation, that would be just fine. Uh, Ralph says she'll extend the challenge. Thank you, Ralphs. Thank you so much. We'll try again tomorrow if nothing happens with the overnight crew. Um, and uh, Ralph says if Steve in New York is thinking of moving to be with his partner, I say go for it. <sighs> yeah. Um being with and near someone who is near and dear makes a lot of difference. Loneliness sucks. Uh, thank you to an anonymous friend. We are down to $20 to go on Ralph's challenge. It's really helpful. Thank you so much. And given everything, well, the other news over the weekend, um, a lot of people shocked and horrified by word of the passing of Matthew Perry, uh, Chandler Bing on Friends. Uh, it was Saturday when his uh, passing was announced, 54 years old. He had struggled with addiction issues, and I feel gross just saying that. The first thing you should say is that he brought a lot of people a lot of happiness and was loved by his friends. His friends' cast members put out and it took a couple of days, and I can sure understand why. We learned a little bit here. We learned a lot here. Three months ago about how it feels to lose someone that's beloved to a community. Um, in a shared statement... Jennifer Aniston, Matt LeBlanc, Lisa Kudrow, Courtney Cox, and David Schwimmer 
said, we are all so utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We were more than just castmates. We are a family. There's so much to say, but right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable loss. In time, we will say more as and when we are able. For now, our thoughts and our love are with Maddie's family, his friends, and everyone who loved him around the world. He was found unresponsive in a hot tub. All the police would say is foul play was not suspected. The cause of death was deferred. He had written a memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. He was called a comedic genius. The co-creators, Marta Kaufman and David Crane, co-creators of Friends, said, We are shocked and deeply saddened by our beloved friend Matthew's passing. It still seems impossible. Gwyneth Paltrow, who we usually don't mention on this program without making some sort of sport of her harebrained cockamamie goop scam, but who is a talented actor, said, I met Matthew Perry in 1993 at the Williamstown Theater Festival in Massachusetts. We were both there for most of the summer doing plays. He was so funny and so sweet and so much fun to be with. We drove out to swim in creeks, had beers in the local college bar, kissed in a field of long grass. It was a magical summer. He'd shot the pilot of Friends, but it hadn't aired yet. He was nervous, hoping his big break was just around the corner. It was. It's just sad. So uh, that's the program. That's Moran Monday. The final Moran Monday of October 2023. Thanks to all of our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte contributors, our anonymous friend and Christopher responding this evening to Ralph's Welcome Luna Challenge. And just as a program note, the balloon could go up at any minute. So if I'm not here on the air at some point, I'll post on social media saying that we're off to uh, welcome little Miss Luna. And, you know, give as much notice as possible. Thank you to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger, in the chat room. 
Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please, just hammer that like button and the subscribe button. Leave a comment. Imagine how boring it must be being an algorithm. A little hello goes a long way. Thanks to John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20 plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Please stay safe. Get your booster. Get your flu shot, get your RSV vaccine. Especially that RSV vaccine is so big if you're around little children. We had a horrible scare with it last year with little June bug. Now there's a vaccine. Don't worry, the maggots won't get it. Wear your mask if you're around the maggots or any sort of large group. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance as best you can. And if uh, if, if uh, Queen Sportfoot comes towards you, babbling about how she was shocked that there was, that, that young Kim wouldn't sign on to censure Rashida Tlaib, well, Avoid Marge like the plague, because she is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.